0: Hello, welcome to the Friday Twilight Show. I'm Maxine and tonight I'll be asking does culture actually eat strategy for breakfast? Why is school culture important and who defines the culture of a school? I'll be joined later, I hope, by Sarah teaching with Mrs T, Assistant Head and Supporter of Early Careers Teachers, to talk about the important role teachers play in defining the culture within their school. And welcome. It's great to be here on the Friday Twilight Show. And tonight, as I said before, it is all about school culture. Does culture really eat strategy for breakfast? What does that even mean? Um, And I shall talk a little bit about that uh, phrase a little bit later on. I'm also hoping later on, um, Teaching with Mrs T, Sarah, Assistant Head and Supporter of Early Careers Teachers, will be popping in to talk about the important role teachers play in defining the culture within their school. So. What is school culture? What does it really mean? Does culture really eat strategy for breakfast and what on earth does that mean? Why is school culture important? Who sets the school culture? All questions for this evening. All all really crucial, interesting things that, that I'll be pondering here and I'd love to hear whatever you've got to say about school culture. So I'm going to start with a, a definition. What do we mean by school teacher, um, school culture? So Michael Fullen, former Dean at the Ontario Institute for Studies in Education at the University of Toronto, is a major advisor to policymakers policy and education leaders around the world. And in his 2007 book, The New Meaning of Education Change, Fullan states, School culture can be defined as the guiding beliefs and values evident in the way a school operates. It can be seen to all encompass all the attitudes, expected behaviours and values that impact how the school operates. So school culture is all about those shared beliefs the attitudes and the values of the stakeholders and a stakeholders a bit of a general bit of an education term there so the school leaders school teachers or the staff in school the students governors or trustees um, the, the mat if it's always involved in a mat or a local authority and the parents and families and community around the school all of those people what is it about that school what shared beliefs, attitudes and values do they have? And really, really crucially, what does that culture look like? What does that look like? It's all about the relationships between the school staff, between the school staff and the students, between the school staff and families. And it's, it's quite a complicated thing. And I just think it's something that I want to have a look at this evening and, and hear what you've got to say too. So, There are so many things that can influence a school's culture, you know, like policies, history, people, past events that have impacted on the school, all sorts of things. And and crucially, that culture is all about those sort of shared values and goals and attitudes and beliefs that really characterise that school or that workplace and how the people in that workplace or that school are with each other. You know, how they behave, things about the communication, the interactions, the decision making, everything there that reflects those goals, attitudes and beliefs and and how that all comes into reality. Sometimes um, we might hear organisational culture or school culture being described as being so deeply ingrained that, that people might really refer to it as the school or the organisation's DNA. It's something that runs that deep. It's influenced by values and it's, it's all about rituals, things that people do and, and rules that happen to be there. But it's, it, there is going to be a culture, no matter what happens. So a culture will exist whether the leaders and the people work on, on putting a culture into place. So what, we, what we're going to look at is how important that culture is and, and how important actually it is to be mindful about that, what that culture should be like, so that it can be a culture that is helpful, that's effective, that's bringing the best things for children and young people and and are going to make that school really, really effective and a good place to work and be. Back to definitions. Um, Deal and Kennedy in 2000, in an organisational study work, said that organisational culture is just simply the way things are done around here. It's how we are. It's who we are. It's the way people do things in an organisation. It can be the way people think, the things people believe. They're all part of a culture. They're often unwritten rules. Um, you know all things that are about the culture things about the culture can run really really deep and that or they can be superficial things like where people tend to park in the car park, where people sit in the staff room, how people say hello who who relates to who it, it can really be important things as well, like whether we believe that that all children have got the ability to achieve um or is there a culture in the school of, of some sort of underlying bias or some underlying belief that, you know, that is creating some limits there? So, unwritten rules definitely has influence on on the, um, or the organization and its employees and, and everybody that comes into contact there. Culture is often about ambition in schools, and schools can be described as having or believe they have an ambitious. Um, a really great ambitious culture where they they believe that all their students can really achieve high standards and however you judge or believe high standards to to appear and it, it also impacts very much on how people treat each other so what we expect of each other what we give and what we expect in return and you know it really is. Culture is so fundamental and so impactful on the lives of everybody who works in a school and the students who go to the school and the parents who interact and the governors and everyone. That culture is so impactful um, that really it's, you know, it's suggesting to me that culture is something that is very, very, very important. So, again, Let's have a think about why it's important. What is it about its importance? And does culture really eat strategy for breakfast? So I use Michael Fullan's um, definition of um, school culture at the beginning um, and I said, I'll I'll just repeat it again, school culture can be defined as the guiding beliefs and values evident in the way a school operates. It can be seen to encompass all the attitudes, expected behaviours and values that impact how the school operates. So that was 2007, um, Michael Fullan and again He argues in his book, The New Meaning of Educational Change, he places culture central to the change in the improvement process. And and the contents of his book, his 2007 book, are really widely used by education professors in teacher teacher training, and it's central to the content of programmes such as the MPQH. Um in the uk and internationally, um, and that's that's something then that is really being driven through leadership training for schools now through something as big as MPqH. And the book and his writing really gives um, some background and really explains to um, anybody who's reading it how um, by developing collaborative cultures at school level, um, will avoid superficial versions of professional learning communities so in in terms of creating a culture that 's collaborative he 's talking about having really deep, strong professional learning communities, and rather therefore than any professional development that that staff have in schools being just training that's done too, something that's for people go along and listen to and, and some training has to be you know that there has to be some statutory training around safeguarding and so on just delivered but actual growth and training being about developing a collaborative culture where people buy into and people get to choose much more about how they develop makes that something that is a real collaborative culture he also um goes on in his book and and again through the training to show how those who are reading it can foster district-wide success in all schools through the development of a strong school, strong culture, and thinking about how total transformation can be brought about by really fostering meaning for everybody who's in that system. So creating and strengthening culture, so that there's buy-in for everybody who's taking part in implementing any of those strategies at any, any time. And, and the book as well goes on to talking about how um, school leaders can integrate individual and systemic success. And again, that's something that hasn't always happened very successfully. <coughs> Excuse me. So starting with collaborative culture, Again, something that is really, really interesting, I think, when you're you're looking at how a school operates. If um, a school is trying to, and its leaders and the, the people that are running it and its teachers are trying to work hard and collaborate together, so everyone's got a really, really strong buy-in, what that will make is it will make it much more likely that any improvement is much more deep and meaningful and long-lasting and not superficial, because the people, if they've had the chance to have the buy-in, we all know, don't we, when we've had our say in something, where we're doing something that we've really contributed to, that we've put our heart and soul into, we'll go along with it and we won't just be paying lip service, we'll be passionate about it and we'll really, really want for it to work and go the extra mile. Without collaboration, just telling people what to do without them feeling involved is much more likely to lead to, at best, only a sort of surface level, going along with it, doing it, following the instructions, but not going that extra mile. So a culture of collaboration, therefore, means that a strategy will be much, much more likely to be implemented with enthusiasm and passion brought about by genuine buy-in from the whole team. So again, that changing culture. So I'm going to talk about a school that um, I was working with today. Um, It was really, really interesting to see this school and to to hear them going on on a little bit of a journey. And one of the things that um, that one of the people who'd been working with them was describing was how all of the subject leaders in this primary school, and we all know, how challenging I think the world is for subject leaders in primary school, and how they're not paid TLRs like, you know, in, in secondary school quite often. But how every single subject leader in this primary school was really, really responding with absolute passion when they were talking about their school curriculum. Because what this school has really, really successfully done, in my opinion, is created a culture where all of those all of those teachers who are are now subject leaders and, and it you know it does cover a fair number of the teaching population as it does in um in many many primary schools everyone's a subject leader other than maybe one or two ECTs. Um but they all spoke with such passion and belief in in their own subjects and their own areas. And again, I think that's one of the things that comes out from a really Really strong culture um, from having that that you know that that sort of everybody bought in. There was there was no element in this school, and they have all been consulted on how they are going to work, how they're going to run their subject areas, what they're going to do. There's not been any do to. There's been a lot of change, and they've really been involved in that change. And it was just great to see actually in action that culture of collaboration where. This whole strategy is implemented with with enthusiasm and passion, and and passion was the word that was used quite a lot in this school. So I'm so proud of them and seeing seeing what they've done. It's been absolutely super. So my next question then, does culture eat strategy for breakfast? Has anyone heard of that, that actual phrase, culture eats strategy for breakfast? I've heard it lots of times. If I'm honest with you, and I've always just sort of listened and yeah, gone gone along with it and thought, well, I don't know, just kind of accepted it. What what does culture eat strategy for breakfast actually mean? Well, I'm gonna share a little bit with you about it. Um so phrase it you know it's used it's used in mpqh and it's it has been some of the facilitating on mpqh and and working with some of the participants that's that really prompted me to want to do a show on on school culture because culture and and ethos is is one of the one of the modules and it's one of my favorite modules so this um culture each strategy for breakfast it's it's this phrase is attributed to the educator, author, and management expert, Peter Drucker, not from the world of education himself. So Drucker was born in 1909 in Austria, um, before moving to Germany in his early 20s, um, and then on to the UK, and finally settled in the USA in 1937. So he had a distinguished career as, as a teacher but a teacher at at university um, and then as a professor of politics and philosophy at at Bennington College in the United States and then he went on to New York University as a professor of management from 1950 to 1971. Um, He then went from 71 over to the west coast, over to um, Claremont graduate university where he established the Drucker archives which later became the Drucker Institute in 2006. So, Drucker taught his last class in 2002, age 92, and considered, considered, continued to act as a consultant to businesses and non-profit organisations right into his 90s, and stayed actively linked to the university right up to his death, age 95, in 2005. So. Somebody who is really renowned as, as a leader in the world of management and a, a key a key what we'd probably describe today as as a thought leader, somebody incredibly influential in the world of business, and you know his writings, huge vast, huge vast range of um, public public um, public. T- published articles around management and organisations and very, very well renowned and very wide ranging and many theories that hugely influence business and um, industry today. But one of his key themes in his work has been this focus on relationships between human beings as opposed to just a focus on statistics or technology or Strategy and his books are filled with lessons on how organizations can bring out the best in people and how workers can find a sense of community and dignity in a modern society organized around large institutions and businesses. So, really, really interesting. And you know, what a fascinating and really well respected life of research and publication, and immensely influential. But I think it's really important to note that he never actually said culture eats strategy for breakfast. And that's one of those real classic misquotes. He never said it, never said culture eats strategy for breakfast. That quote was actually popularised in 2006 by Mark Fields, the president of the Ford Motor Company, and it continues to be on the wall in their strategy, in their war room. And around the time that the quote originates from, Drucker was working with other influential management thinkers, including Edgar Schein and again shine a really really well-renowned professor and expert in the world of management and Drucker did a lot of work with the Ford Motor Company as well and worked with them on this whole idea of getting the best out of people and creating a sense of community and a, a sense of dignity and building culture So, we can fully understand why um, this might have actually been misquoted. What Drucker actually said in an article for the Wall Street Journal in 1991 was something far less catchy and far less exciting than culture eats strategy for breakfast. What he actually said was, culture, no matter how defined, is singularly persistent. So It's always there, it's always there. Culture is always there. And Edgar Schein, who was a um, professor of psychology at the Michigan Institute of Technology at MIT, in 1985, um, in his book, which has since been republished multiple times Organizational Culture and Leadership, he writes, Culture determines and limits strategy. Again, nowhere near as snappy as culture eats strategy for breakfast. But it does articulate that basic meaning really clearly. So, we've got these two phrases. Whilst we didn't have culture eats strategy for breakfast, neither of them actually said that. We have got one really, really important person saying culture, no matter how defined, is singularly persistent. And another really clearly saying that culture determines and limits strategy. So, both of them are describing that inescapable nature and that durability of organisational culture. And they've been morphed, I guess, in a way into that culture-eat strategy for breakfast, which is attributed, attributed to Drucker. So, in a school context, school culture is crucial to how committed employees, particularly the teachers are, into delivering the vision, the vision of those school leaders, the vision of the head teacher. But there's another thing that I think is is as crucial as the misquote with um, culture Eat strategy for breakfast. And and the thing that I think is as crucial as the misquote is, is a misunderstanding Because I think a lot of people, when I've I've talked to people about about this quote, which I now know is a misquote, quite a lot of people have have had the idea um, from this quote that actually they're getting the impression that it's culture versus strategy, that you can have one or the other, or that culture and strategy are somehow separate, competing, and perhaps a good culture replaces the need for a good strategy. Now, of course, we know that's not true because, however strong and however committed um, people are to delivering on a vision, without a plan, without a specific way of doing it, without a strategy, that's also not going to work. So we can see that that's wrong. We can see that it's not true that you can only have one or the other, and, and I'm pretty sure that neither Drucker nor Shine were even trying to suggest that. So. Wolf Drucker never said culture um, eats strategy for breakfast. And and he did say culture, no matter how defined, is singularly persistent. And Shine said culture contains strategy. Both were describing the way that culture is so, so important and so always there. I've heard as well um, culture described as the habitat in which a company's strategy lives or dies. And I really like that. You think about an animal in their habitat and the way that um, if that habitat's right for them, that they will really thrive. I think that's superb. And whilst the um, organisation strategy critically provides direction and, and you know, sort of a way that we're going to do something, it's the culture that creates the environment in which people are enabled to effectively execute that strategy or not. It's almost like the air that they breathe, the water, it's providing all of those really, really important things that means that that strategy can really work. So again, I suppose in that way, it is that culture eats strategy for breakfast. Because culture determines how individuals will work and how they'll function in an organisation, and that's crucial to whether um, you know the success, you know the organisation, the school's mission will be successful and its strategic vision will be carried out. And again, no matter how well a strategy is is set out. It can't necessarily be implemented if the culture isn't right and if the strategy and culture aren't aligned or people don't feel empowered and they don't feel supported or they feel the culture is such that there's great resistance and, you know, that the whole change that the strategy is about to bring, is designed to bring about, isn't going to happen. So, culture is really important. You know, the way we do things in an organisation, our ambition, our beliefs, how we support each other, that culture of aspiration in a school, of believing in all children, having high expectations for them all is so, so, so important. Um, And again, if we've seen... um, a school or a place where, in a, with a culture where assumptions are rife, where there are limiting beliefs, stereotypes, common belief about the potential of students and staff and, and adults based maybe on social class or prior attainment, gender or race, that would be extremely problematic, to say the least. Where there's a culture of extreme resistance to change, of poor communication, of of people not speaking to each other nicely. You know, the way we are around here is just not cooperative. We just don't have a positive culture. There may be reasons behind that. You know, I always think, and you know, somebody gave me some great advice. I should have put this in my TTR bio. I picked another one for the best advice you've been ever given. But I actually think this is a really, really important one. Seek to understand before you seek to be understood. So before we judge why a place might have a culture that is, you know, resistance to change, poor culture, limiting beliefs, there may be good reason for that. Now, it may be about past leadership. It may be about history or events or something that's happened there. And you know, similarly, you know, Tom Rogers did a really, really brilliant episode a while, a um, couple of months back now on toxic school culture, and we've seen how damaging it is. So, it is something that needs to change, and and it is bad for teachers. It is bad for other employees, and you know, I always think anything that's bad for teachers is going to ultimately be bad for the students as well, because we need teachers to be there to be strong and thriving. So. Really important to have a positive culture. Positive culture in school would be around high aspirations. It would be around being respectful. It would be around, you know, really believing that everybody can do well, that, that there's no, there are no limits, that, you know, as a teacher, you can be great. As a member of support staff, you have the, you know, the, the abilities to do your job so well. And that all students, no matter what their background, we believe in them all they're all the key things about great school culture they're all really really positive things at like high expectations hard work culture positive working collaborating cooperating with each other all of those things really really important so the next question is who creates those and how are they created so what I'm going to do is I'm going to take a pause for breath while we think about that for a minute and just take a moment to have a listen to our sponsors.
1: This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, publishing professional development books and resources to support great teaching and learning in schools around the world. Have you checked out their latest releases? Use the code TTR. 2324 for 20% off your order. Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading.
2: Introducing Eaton X from Eaton College, a diverse range of quality online courses enabling young people to aspire and excel. Other popular courses include verbal communication, critical thinking, writing skills, resilience, creative problem solving and many more. Offer the Eaton X curriculum in your school for free. Visit eatonx.com to find out more.
0: So I really hope you are in a position when you're feeling that your culture is making you want to really go out there and go for that self-improvement and if you are, you've just heard about the John Cat books. There are some great reads in there, Equity and Education. Um, Lee Elliot Major is just such a super book on that, that whole subject around aspiration and awareness of bias. But anyway, that's not what I was necessarily going to talk about. I'm getting, allowing myself to get a little bit distracted there. And um, now we're going to think about, we've talked about why positive school culture is really important. And so now I just want to have a little think about who creates the culture. I'm going to come in first of all with a view that it's the head teacher. So that's it. Culture is all delivered from the head teacher. The head teacher's there. They're the person that's important and that they define the culture and it all depends on them. There's just one idea, one way to take that. And certainly um, CEO in the trust where I, I do a little bit of work would definitely argue that at a reach future recent future leaders event we would just ask who's the single most important person in any school and we all you know we all thought we thought well crikey it must be the site agent surely and there are, that's a really valid argument to make because we can't run without one but coming back to this idea about culture and that coming from the head teacher I think this is a really really strong argument and certainly if we look to the head teacher standards the very first one is about school culture and it you know it states that to be doing your job as a head teacher to be meeting the head teacher standards head teachers first of all establish and sustain the school's ethos and strategic direction in partnership with those responsible for governance and through consultation with the school community so that just sets it out on paper all that important stuff there about um, culture, and that really really being an important part of the head teacher's job, it states that head teachers create a culture where pupils experience the positive and enriching school life, that head teachers uphold ambitious educational standards which prepare pupils from all backgrounds for their next phase of education and life. It states that head teachers promote positive and respectful relationships across the school community and a safe, orderly and inclusive environment and finally ensure a culture of high staff professionalism. So all of those things about school culture are set there in the head teacher's standards and is, is a crucial thing. And as a head, former head teacher myself and as someone who now works quite a lot with head teachers and school leaders, um, again, I think this is something where, that we need to take note of and we need to think about with leaders about this ultimate level of responsibility that sits with head teachers for creating this culture, and again, if we're, we're asking if it is the head teacher that really defines that school culture, well, one way I always think to consider that answer, and it's, it's not a very nice way of considering it, but I think it is an important way to actually think: is this, is it all about the head teacher? Is to think about what happens when there's poor leadership in a school, either when it's somebody who's not been very well prepared for that role or has some fundamental character um, that makes them not very well um, aligned to that role or may be under immense stress and pressure and therefore not able to do that role well. You know, I, I don't think anyone goes into headship to deliberately do it badly, but anybody that is struggling as a head or not, not doing as well, where there's poor leadership in a school, the impact on school, Culture is significant um, And if, if any of you have ever worked in a school with poor leadership um, and or had children attend a school where leadership is poor, you'll know the issues. You know, you all know that there are issues around um, staff workload, well-being, about staff necessarily having buy-in to different things, about people being in the right place at the right time, about people feeling unhappy, uh, well-being will be be a huge issue. And again, I think that whole idea there, having seen when when leadership isn't strong and when leadership isn't being successful, we can see that impact. Unfortunately, that is fairly rare these days. I think it's really important um, for leaders to be really aware of their own personal impact and, and their influence on school culture. And that that can be quite a daunting thing, I think, um, for school leaders. And certainly, you know, thinking about that myself, thinking about how the eyes and ears are continually on you. That that is Really, really important. And, you know, if we think back to the culture eat strategy for breakfast misquote, strategy is important, but, you know, that strategy alone can't achieve the head teacher's vision. Um, those who are responsible for driving that strategy, for implementing it, you know, for doing the work, need to be passionate about that vision. They need to have buy in. So, the head teacher needs to have created that culture where people have some buy-in or have ultimate buy-in to the vision. If They're just doing something because they have to and they don't wholeheartedly agree. They, they won't, you know, the actions won't be, um, you know, they, they won't be sustained and they won't be as strong. So, again, leaders need to create a culture where those who are doing the work are enthused. And that's really, really hard. So how do we do that? How how do leaders do that? How do leaders um, make sure that the culture is right, so that, that people are enthused to do the work, so that people do feel happy, so that people do have high ambitions for students, so that schools are completely inclusive, which is, you know, that's a huge challenge for school leaders to provide that level of Really inclusive education, so some of the key things for strong school cultures, again, coming from some reading, coming from you know some of the things that I 've delivered on on MPQH. Hi, Sarah, Really great to see you. I'll give you a few minutes to bed in and and settle, but nice that you're here, and then you'll be able to join us. ha <laughs> excellent so I'm just talking uh, Sarah, for a start about leaders and their role in culture, and then I'm going to come to you in a minute. So, leaders need to really think about respect, I think. They need to think about creating a culture where growth is um, really, really um, something that people want to pursue, to have everybody pulling in the same direction, so a clear vision of what we want and all to be on board. And leaders need to create, ultimately, a culture where those who are doing the work, those who are, at the chalk face, whose sleeves are rolled up working, who are line managing others, who are doing some of that heavy lifting, are ultimately really, really enthused and wanting to do it. Now, creating that strong culture for a leader doesn't happen overnight. No, it doesn't just, it's not easy. Um, it occurs gradually. It also can't be left to chance. It needs to be deliberate. What does the culture need to look like, needs to be clear on what that looks like and why. And the first step I would say, and I think this is really important, the first, second, third and every other step after it in building a strong culture is about relationships and gaining trust. By being calm and reassuring, listening to everybody or speaking to everybody, and crucially listening, um, listening to what is said and what's unsaid, the tone in which things are said, the words, the nuance, different phrases, different thoughts, about being honest, consistent, strong, and visible, and thinking about how we give feedback—all of those things are really crucial ways that leaders can build a strong culture. Um, building a culture of learning—you know, we're all learning. Staff tr- maybe. It may be staff training, and again, that tends to be a doing too. and there's some things where that has to be the case, or is it about professional learning? A, you know, a culture where staff are inspired to develop and grow, not because they're not good enough, But because, however good we are, we can always be better. And, you know, we're a challenge seeking species. We want to grow and move. And, you know, creating that culture where it's safe to do that, where it's safe to try things, to take risks without fear of criticism and repercussion is really important. And then finally, uh, you know, about leaders modeling those behaviours. So if a leader wants a particular culture, a leader has got to live and breathe that culture, not just in what they say, but in what they do. So if you don't want a culture where people are working at silly hours, where you know, where people are you know, boasting about who can send the latest and earliest email, then don't send late emails and early emails yourself. Don't boast about or moan about how much work you're doing. Model good boundaries. If you don't want a culture where people moan as a leader, then don't moan or complain or ever be heard doing it. If you want a culture that's solution focused, then really, really encourage your team to come up with their ideas. Give them space. Don't jump in and be a rescuer. Believe that they can do it. If you um, as, you know, as, as well with that, it's really important that you check your own mindset. Do you really believe that all children can achieve? Do you carry any biases? And again, there's lots of talk about unconscious bias. We can't just say unconscious bias, I don't think, because that means that we can't help it. We're all human. We're all capable of thinking. So particularly as school leaders, we need to check that do we have any biases based on backgrounds, based on prior attainments? Do we have any views about that? And again, if we might have them, we might be communicating them so here is where I think if we're thinking very much about school culture the power of coaching to really tease out what school culture you want for your school is really important and you know one of the diff- thing, really difficult things I think for um, a school leader is that everything you do and everything that you say any time will determine the culture, and it, it must align with the culture you want. Um, everything you say and do is an opportunity is the positive way to put it. Everything you say and do is an opportunity to build that culture, starting with the head teacher, with SLT, with staff and students. Nonverbal communication, verbal communication too. Empowering staff, really, really important, giving them a chance to contribute, to be able to set values. And with each value, then saying what the behaviours around that value are going to look like. What do we want to see and what don't we want to see? I was talking to a brilliant international school leader this week, um, Nafisa. She's absolutely fabulous. And she was describing, we were talking school culture and and she's, she's, um, how she's happy to um oh <laughs> hello Sarah and you're back. Great view. Oh did I disappear? <laughs> right, so um yeah, I was talking to Nafisa and it was really, really interesting. She um was am I still here? Yeah. Okay, now she was yeah, great, thanks Claire. Um yeah did did I cut out for a couple of minutes then Okay Okay that's fine I'm back in I'm here that's good so I'm back I'll we'll touch chat on a little bit more so yeah so Nafisa, a brilliant international school leader and I um she's really pleased for me or happy for me to share this she was doing some work in her school on culture. She was fairly new to her school on culture, and there were some aspects that had concerned her and concerned some other people around. Some of the behaviours of staff towards each other, some attitudes, some thoughts. And so, what she did, she she called everybody in together in in one of their one of their meeting times, and. Got them to agree, or just got them to talk about how they wanted to be with each other. What did they want that culture to be like? What did they want as professionals, their in- environment, their work environment to be? Making it really super positive, and you know, they, they've created um, a little bit of a um, you know sort of charter about how they want to be and why that's important. But this is the other bit that I just thought was a really interesting activity. Some of them had been really, really upset about some of the ways that that they had been with each other or of some of the things that had gone on. So, what she got them to do was to write down on a piece of paper, totally anonymously, um, things that had happened to them that had had a negative impact that they hadn't liked. What she then did was she read those out um, and then visibly scrunched them all up, screwed them up and threw them in a bin in front of them and said they are now all gone and we've created this positive charter about how we're going to be instead and created co-created that in a really positive way. So again, that's an example of challenging some behaviours on a large scale but of course there's also Really important for leaders to challenge any individuals and to have those courageous conversations. So, not just model by example, um, but to actually call out. So, whether culture is strategy for breakfast or not, um, and you know, the fact that they, it's not, it is a misquote and it's not an either or. Then what we're going to do after the news is we're going to hear a little bit from Sarah and I'm going to be talking to Sarah all about the all-important role of school teachers um, in school culture. So wait, it's going to be fantastic. I look forward to hearing in a minute. So here we're going to go with the news first of all.
1: to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading.
2: Introducing Eton X from Eton College, a diverse range of quality online courses enabling young people to aspire and excel.
3: A £1,000 cash incentive and a campaign to raise the profile of childcare workers in England has been launched as part of a recruitment drive. According to the BBC, thousands of extra nursery workers and childminders are needed as the government plan to expand funded hours begins. The Department for Education says that more than 100,000 working parents of two-year-olds have already registered for the April rollout. However, Early years, charities say the campaign to recruit is too late. By September 2025, all eligible preschool children of working parents from the age of nine months will be able to access 30 hours of term-time childcare. Research suggests that the number of childcare providers is currently falling as childminders leave the role, although the number of places remains roughly stable data suggests that almost 28,000 early years specialists will be needed to meet the rise in demand, an expansion of 8%. The BBC also reports that staff at Scotland's exam body will take strike action at the end of February over a pay dispute. Around 400 workers will stage two 24-hour stoppages, and the action will also include an overtime ban, a ban on weekend working, and a ban on accruing time off in lieu. The union said the industrial action would have a major impact on the SQA's ability to prepare for exam season. But the SQA itself said it had contingency plans in place and that the strike would not have any impact at all. The Herald in Scotland also reports on calls from some quarters to raise the school starting age. A motion filed by the Glasgow Kelvin MSP calls for a national conversation on early years education and argues that a new approach could help tackle Scotland's long-standing educational attainment gap. The proposal to raise the starting age secured cross-party support in less than 24 hours. It's not the first time that the SNP have called for an increase in the starting age for pupils. but. With recent concerns that the school system in Scotland is not helping to close the gap between disadvantaged pupils and their non-disadvantaged peers, the plans have appeared again. Under the plans, children would start school at six rather than four or five, and a kindergarten stage for three to six-year-olds would be introduced, increasing the amount of early years education by 12 months, replacing primary one. garden stage would focus on learning through play. Full details of the proposal can be read online in a variety of media outlets. Finally, Schools Week covers demands from the University of Cambridge to delay the new teacher training framework. The university has said it lacks confidence in the new framework and suggests a delay of at least a year. The initial teacher training and early career framework or ITT-ECF was unveiled by the Department for Education at the start of February. The ITT-ECF will combine and replace the currently separate ITT core content and the ECF from September 2025. The University called for the change to be implemented no sooner than September 2026, if at all. This would allow for further consultation, it says, and revision as the new framework was just a tweak on the current one and was a wasted opportunity. The Education Faculty at Cambridge also claims that the framework sets unclear and contradictory objectives for ITT providers. In the longer term, the University says a framework should be developed and led by a non-party political, cross-sector expert team. The new framework has already divided opinions in the schools community and many have taken to social media to express concerns. The Department for Education have declined to comment. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio News with Jo Fox.
0: Thank you. And Sarah, okay, over to you and welcome. Now, I know you're limited and you've got to be off in about 10 minutes, so thank you so much for joining us. Um, And just a few questions for you if you'd like to join in.
4: How are you? Hello,
0: there we go. Sarah, you, you have your blog, Teaching with Mrs T, so the ECF stuff that's just been on the news will be really relevant to you. Uh,
4: yes, yeah, so I'm currently looking at how that's going to impact on the, the articles that I'm posting and, and what I'm looking at in relation to standards, core content, and so on and so forth. So lots of work, I think, for me over the summer.
0: Yeah, and some re- a really, really brilliant free resource for um, ECTs to be on there. So I was fascinated to talk to you, and I know you're dashing off to the quiz shortly. Um, so thanks for fitting us in in that you know that that sort of small window there. So how can teachers really influence culture in their schools, Sarah? So I was fascinated. So I read about this in your blog. That's why I wanted to talk to you about it this yeah. evening. Yeah. So,
4: so I think the, the individual teacher on the ground floor quite quite often uh, it it tends to be overlooked when we're thinking about school culture because Mm. the, the burden tends to fall on school leaders and it's responsibility the leaders should be leading by example all the things that you said earlier on in your show but the individual teacher is a leader of their classroom and therefore all teachers are effectively leaders within the school and how you interact with your colleagues how you're being a team player how you are doing your job to your best of your ability how you're seeking out uh, professional development, seeking out advice, all of those sorts of things has a profound impact on the culture of the school. If you are the person who in the staff room is sat like a dementor from Harry Potter, just sucking all the positivity out of the room because <laughs> you hate you hate being at work, then perhaps you need to have a look at where where your where your stress is, where your strains are and, and what colleagues, what your leadership team, what your line manager can do to support you to be more satisfied with your your day to day work. Um, but the research will show and then we see the ECF shows that you support and develop your own professionalism and your own professional development when you develop those professional relationships with colleagues. And that's at all levels. The ECTS joining together to talk about their assignments and their mentoring. You um, as an you in t- year two, year three, year four teachers, speaking to someone who's in year seven or year eight of their of their teaching, or even your subject lead or your line manager, your head of faculty, and, and just developing those links, having those conversations with, with other people, and those outside of your subject area, those outside of your department as well. Uh, positive working culture, really.
0: That's really fascinating, Claire, Sarah. So what I think I'm hearing from you then is that actually it's the importance of the individual teacher that we, we must make sure we maintain that focus on. You know, you're a teacher, you're important, you're a leader in your classroom. And
4: that other point as well that you make about the importance and the value of collaboration. Absolutely you're not an island no one can do this job alone everyone knows that teaching is really hard um it's it's an emotionally physically mentally draining job and actually you can't do it by yourself you need to to speak to a colleague even if it was oh i had a really rough rough time with my year 10s today because this happened the person who goes oh they're never a problem for me they're they're not being collaborative they're not being supportive they're not building that culture that building more of a coaching um sort of mantra with your colleagues oh really what talk, talk about what happened where were they sat what happened? Um, unpicking the events can really support a colleague um so thinking about you know wh- when you're talking to people that you work with is, is is what you're saying helpful is it kind is it useful or are you being there, well, they're okay for me. Or I, oh, I already planned my lessons for next week. I've done all my photocopying, all of those sorts of things. The one-upmanship that you sometimes see, whether deliberate or perceived, can really have that impact on someone else's uh, feeling of worth or their their team player nature within a work a school environment.
0: Thank you so that's really fascinating. So what I was saying about that f- focus that a head teacher needs to have on on the eyes are on them and the impact they have actually it's the same for each individual teacher and and nobody would do that deliberately but but as all in a school workplace needing to be mindful of the impact of what we do and how positively we can impact the culture but but conversely it can be sometimes negatives so that that's I think what I hear from you there.
4: So there's nothing wrong with being proud of working hard and doing being at your job, um, but similarly, if you're in a in a an overly oppressive, overly accountability-driven culture, mm-hmm. and you are trying your best, doing everything right, or or conversely, one where there seems to be a lack of accountability, where mm-hmm. you're 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 stuck there doing everything to the best of your ability all day every day and Mr Smith is your next door neighbour in the classroom, isn't doing those things, but nothing's being done about it. You start to think, well, why am I bothering? And that collaboration, that team effort starts to peter off and you become sort of withdrawn. And it's a, a way of really quickly turning off the staff within a school and, and sort of fragmenting a team. And it's a really fine balance between making sure that people are held to account, but they're also empowered and feel the value of all joining together to build that that culture and there isn't a quick fix and it's not a one-size-fits-all model because every school is different every school has different needs and priorities and for some a strong accountability culture is absolutely right and proper because changes need to happen for others that needs the foot needs to come off the gas a little bit so that staff feel empowered to develop and really drive the school forward and actually really knowing your team knowing your school and knowing what needs to happen with the culture has that profound impact but as a new teacher into the profession which is obviously as you know what I write about think about how you want to develop and what you what the culture you want to work in would look like and then how you can be a part of that really important jigsaw in making that culture happen if you want to be supported and you want to develop go and seek that out and make the right connections network within your department network within your Uh, geographical location the school in a certain area or a certain building go and talk in the staff room go and find out who's considered the best practitioner at x y or z and go and talk to them or go and look at some lessons and and move your move your um, practice on forward that way Sarah, thank you. Some really great advice there
0: for early careers teachers who you write for. So just, just really quickly, what I've heard from you has been um, some really good practical advice from an experienced school leader. Thank you, Sarah. And some really great advice to teachers there who want to make their school a better place and to improve culture there for ECTs. Thank you. And I know you have to head off to your quiz now. So can I just finish by thanking yes, you I, enormously? I
4: I've been roped into the SLT quiz team as one of my final hurrahs. I've got a, a half a term left on my maternity cover post as assistant head. And one of those roles <laughs> is to be on the SLT quiz team. So I can't, can't guarantee that I'm going to be of much help to help us win, but I'll try my very best.
0: <laughs> um, and what does that contribute towards culture Sarah go and tell us that because that's a real real positive thing isn't it
4: well we are being a real visible part of showing the showing we're supporting the school being a face in the event so you will always see yeah. me dressed up I've already been asked today what I'm coming as for world book day uh, last year I came as a handmaid in a big red cloak and a bonnet and scared a lot of people nice. jumping out from round corners and so I'm already being asked about that but joining in showing that you're part of the school community Really, then helps build that that community culture that feel that we're a family. We're all in this together. Brilliant, thank you. Enjoy that and enjoy the quiz. And thank you
0: so much, Sarah. It's been lovely talking to you. Good luck with the quiz.
4: Thanks, Maxine. Sorry I couldn't stay longer. I'm sorry, yeah. Thank you. I'll I'll keep you posted on how well we. No, did. no. I'll speak soon.
0: You're welcome. Can't wait to hear how you get on. Take care. Bye bye. Bye bye. Really good to hear from Sarah there about teachers and the responsibility of teachers um, and school culture so I'm just going to go and have another word from our sponsors while I while I pause for breath and then you know sort of catch up with all this tech stuff that's been going on
1: this show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational publishing professional development books and resources to support great teaching and learning in schools around the world have you checked out their latest releases? Use the code JCTTR2324 for 20% off your order. Don't miss out. Visit JohnCatBookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading.
2: Introducing Eaton X from Eton College, a diverse range of quality online courses enabling young people to aspire and excel. Designed for self-study, these web-based courses empower your students with essential leadership, communication and academic skills for success at school and beyond. Our Study Skills course sharpens their learning abilities, while the AI Fundamentals course equips them with vital digital know-how in a fast-changing world. Other popular courses include verbal communication, critical thinking, writing skills, resilience, creative problem solving, and many more. Offer the Eaton X curriculum in your school for free. Visit eatonx.com to find out more.
0: brilliant to hear from our sponsors there so really interesting to hear from sarah and that whole idea about who creates the culture i've talked from a head teacher perspective about um, how head teachers create culture and and the responsibility there Um, but again sarah has talked about how teachers aren't isolated entities within a school and that, that teachers form an interconnected web of professionals who's Collaboration can significantly impact the whole education ecosystem. And there are loads of studies that, that are behind that. And, and one of the things that Sarah is always very good at when, when she writes is linking things back to um, back to research and, and putting an evidence through there. So, again, school teachers, you're not alone. You are really, really important for school culture. Um, and, again, school teachers, teachers who can really think carefully about and take part in as much collaboration as possible also drives forward school improvements and that can range so collaboration and again a culture of collaboration that can be really just casual conversations in the staff room but it can also be really intentional and planned and and teachers can explore how they want to do that as well and it might be you know individual class teachers or it might be whole departments or phases can really think about um, how you want to work together to teach. And again, a really, really important study in 2015 found a really clear correlation between teacher collaboration and the quality of teaching. So where teachers work together, where um, teachers worked to really build their practice and, and work together on that, then they found that that made for much better learning, much better teaching. So, again, a whole culture around collaboration is really important and lots of things that teachers can do to build on that. You know, Sarah said for early careers teachers, if you're an early careers teacher, think how you want to develop. Think how you want the culture of the school that you're in to be, and then seek to create it. Go and seek out other teachers to watch. Seek out other teachers to link up with and to work with. And Again, really, really important. So, in terms of building professional relationships, what else can we do? What can we do? So, Again, back to this idea instead of, and this is school leaders that can influence this, it's also teachers then c- that can take part of it. Instead of having just training that is done too, establishing professional learning communities. So structured opportunities where teachers can collaborate, share best practice, and really engage in professional development. And again, thinking about how that can focus either on specific subjects or particular phases or particular strategies but working out how staff can be grouped to work in a way that they can work and develop each other. Then thinking about peer observation and feedback. And I think the whole idea about feedback itself is quite fascinating because how it's heard and how how it lands depends entirely on the culture and the relationship that underpins it. So if anybody is feeling that any feedback is even slightly critical, It's not going to be positive. It's not going to be used. But if teachers can work together and operate, you know, observe each other in action, teaching and provide constructive feedback for each other. Or can they just, you know, share professional perspectives and link together? Then I think that can be really powerful. And again, that that is um, supported by evidence and, that you know, there's been some, some pretty strong research, Happy Hattie and Timperley, 2007, who have really shown that that peer observation can be strong. Again, thinking about, rather than professional development being about individuals, thinking about how that can be collaborative by having workshops, seminars, book studies, where, where teachers explore new ideas together, that can create a really strong culture of collaboration. But ultimately, um, the more that teachers and other members of staff actually can be involved in the decision making processes for a school, I mean, there are some decisions that school leaders will just have to make, and there's not always the possibility to um, really involve absolutely everybody. But where it, there can be decisions, collaborative decision making on curriculum development, participation in school improvement initiatives or representative representation on committees and groups, anything that's happening that can involve teachers in that decision making really, really boosts culture. And again, then that shows the role of, of teachers there. Now, teachers are much more than just educators. And um, again, there are, are some, and I think one of Sarah's, Sarah's arguments that, that she, she has made before, and I've, I've spoken to her before the, before the show, were that teachers aren't just educators. They're the architects of a school's culture. They contribute to professional growth. They're pillars of support for one another. And again, Sarah spoke this evening about some of those ways in which teachers do support each other, can and do, and, and what teachers can do for school culture. So again, really, really important for us to think about this whole idea of culture. Who brings it, why is it important, does it eat strategy for breakfast, and who creates it? And I think we've probably heard that. We've heard the strength of leaders, the roles of leaders creating school culture. Um, We've also then seen that teachers and other staff are really important in school culture. And, you know, it is part of the the early careers framework to take that active role. And, you know, all teachers are leaders in their classroom. All the time that they're seeking advice or as teachers, we are, you know, taking on responsibility for cultures. You know, research shows that teachers are really important in school culture as well. We haven't even approached students and pupils and governors and the school community and i think that will be a whole extra show to think about all of those other people as well so what i'm going to do i'm going to take just a moment to go back to our sponsors while i just pause for breath for a moment
1: this show is brought to you in partnership with john cat educational publishing professional development books and resources to support great teaching and learning in schools around the world. Have you checked out their latest releases? Use the code JCTTR2324 for 20% off your order. Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading.
2: Introducing Eaton X from Eton College, a diverse range of quality online courses enabling young people to aspire and excel. Designed for self-study, these web-based courses empower your students with essential leadership, communication and academic skills for success at school and beyond. Our Study Skills course sharpens their learning abilities, while the AI Fundamentals course equips them with vital digital know-how in a fast-changing world. Other popular courses include verbal communication, critical thinking, writing skills, resilience, creative problem solving, and many more. Offer the Eaton X curriculum in your school for free. Visit eatonx.com to find out more.
0: And brilliant to hear from our sponsors. So in conclusion then, this evening, in conclusion, we've seen that that, you know, culture and strategy, we, we asked the question, does culture eat strategy for breakfast? We've seen why culture is so important. We've seen how without strong buy-in, without those those behaviours that underpin getting the work done and, you know, making sure our schools are effective and we've got high expectations of students, that, that the strategy isn't going to work. But, but culture and strategy, they they are linked, and it's not a case that you it's it's one or the other. Um, it's not also not a linear relationship. And if you if you focus on just one or the other and not both of them, you you know you risk probably not getting the best out of your school or organisation. So again, let's have a think about that culture and about why it's so so important. Within schools as well, it's, it's so much more, um, again, it, there is so much more than it just being about school leaders. We definitely see the really important role that school leaders play in modelling those behaviours, in modelling, in living and breathing that culture. Um, but again, we've seen the real importance of teachers and you know teachers listening to this this podcast teachers listening um, if you're listening live again just know how important you are actually to the school culture everything that you do your actions your behaviors they influence all those other people around you and and just know please know teachers that you are so important um, and how your actions your behaviors what you bring to school the impact that has on on your colleagues and on the students so again really important for us to think about culture culture is often built on our assumptions about our roles and our purposes in the in the world and that then links to the ways that we behave really really careful and again um, that is a really, really important thing, I think. Claire's just made a really good comment. <laughs> things like Sarah's quiz are important too for culture, not the academic day-to-day work things. And, and what Sarah's done, she's just joined us briefly um, between actually being in a meeting with our senior leadership team, um, where they have been doing some work after school tonight on um, you know the, the strategy for their school and then they 're going to be representative and and one of the things that I know Sarah was was going to say is they 're going to model that it 's all right for the senior team not to win the quiz and that there'll be loads of examples of things that they don 't know and I bet there 'll be some really tricky tech questions and Sarah knows everything there is to know about tech and there 'll be some things that she doesn 't get on that in the quiz and that 's okay okay. okay. We don't all have to be perfect. We're here to be equals. And you're right, Claire, that's a really important thing for culture there. So, you know, in in summary, strategy is important. Um, you know, it is, we've got to have a plan. We need to make sure we're not all running in a million different directions. Have, you know, think about not just the current piece of work we're doing, but how that's going to then impact the next piece of piece of work, what the school needs to look like, where we want to get. Strategy is important, but without the right, right culture, there is no way that a school or any organisation will achieve the vision and the goals and the things that that strategy is setting out to um, achieve. You know, it's, it's like trying to make a flower grow without watering it and without making sure it's got all the other the light and the other things that it needs strategy needs the culture around it that culture is really important and again in a school i do believe the head teacher and the senior team are are influential in fostering and growing that culture and modeling those behaviors and you know people take a look to to leaders and the senior team for how they're going to be but again it's really down to all of the teachers and all of the other staff and i think the teachers because of that huge professional responsibility because teachers we are all leaders in our classroom are so so crucial to school culture so my final word is to teachers keep going keep being brilliant it's a tough job but your level of influence your level of impact is absolutely immense and there are very very few careers out there where it's just the same so yeah it's tough it's really tough at times we all know that and you know we I really respect it so teachers thank you and keep doing what you're doing and keep making sure that whatever what does culture eat strategy for breakfast mean but building that strong culture making your schools great places keep to going thank you I shall see you in two weeks
1: time bye-bye